0: From the bowels of the horror press estate, and welcome to the second episode of the Horror Press Podcast, a podcast brought to you by HorrorPress.com. My name is James Michael and I am the curator of All Things Horror Press. This show aims to bring you the latest horror news you may have missed or overlooked, a place to quickly cover the happenings of the horror world, whether that's studio announcements, movie releases, or box office numbers, as well as some light genre discussion. I'm joined today by Brucker Nurse from autopsy of a horror movie. And our first bit of horror news has to be Scream-related. Since we got the release of the full trailer back on January 19th, and it seems to be all anyone is willing to talk about. Oh, well, that and Infinity Pool. Have you seen the new Scream trailer?
1: Oh, yeah. I have checked out the new trailer for Scream 6 a couple of times. And like you said, that is the news right now. It's impossible to get on Twitter or Instagram and not come across some form of ad for the new trailer for scream 6
0: yeah the amount of references in it is insane um i know tiffany recently did a tiktok breaking down most of the references but i'm sure there's more out there because uh, in the comments lots of people are dropping their own things that they've been picking out
1: yeah yeah there's been so much in it besides like the actual like Costumes that we see on the subway in there. Um, there's a, at the end of the trailer. there's that like "kiki Ki ha ha ha" from
0: uh, Friday the Thirteenth? Uh, so there's 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 a lot of stuff that's going into it. I mean, and to me, the the biggest thing in that trailer though was the Gale phone call. Like to see her get that call, I'm so scared for her. I hope she survives. Do you think she's gonna make it? I
1: I, I think she is. Um, well, well. I take that back. I don't know who she is, but I've seen people speculate that she might be the opening kill for this, which I I don't think that's happening at all. Uh, I think that she will be uh, very much entwined into the plot of this and that she might die at the end, but uh, I, I, honestly, I I don't know. They they might kill her off in this. They might be doing a thing that disney was doing with the new star wars sequel trilogy where like each person gets their own movie but they kind of die off in each of their movies so
0: (laughs) if she's the opening call i will lose my mind i will lose my mind
1: i will too and the the moment that they showed of her was so interesting because you also see Ghostface, you know like drag away somebody in the background so i'm like who who was in there with her was it like a new boyfriend was it one of the main cast members i'm thinking that for some reason i got the impression that it was the one of the minks uh cousins or the twins i can't remember now but one one of the Minx minxes in this uh i think it was one of them that he that Ghostface was was dragging off in the background
0: so excited for it i'm that's probably the movie uh between evil dead and scream like so pumped mm-hmm
1: and i gotta say i was kind of skeptical of them continuing Uh, just because, I don't know, I feel weird about sequels these days, but this trailer showed, I think that they're trying to do something different and inject new life into the franchise because Scream 5 was very much, you know, like a legacy movie and it was kind of, you know, hitting all of like the the highlights and home runs from the franchise, but I'm excited to see what they're going to do different, especially that scene we get with Ghostface in the bodega with the shotgun. That was cool and
0: brutal and different. So I'm I'm excited to see where this is going. And it looks almost like he has powers or something. Like the way he dodged <laughs> that point-blank shot, like he just disappeared. <laughs> One of Ghostface's
1: many, many, many powers. Um, yeah. yeah, as long as we don't get that awful voice changer thing from Scream 3 that can just mimic anyone's voice without sampling it. Um, I- I'm okay that he doesn't have that power um, but I don't know this is, this is going to be I'm, I'm very intrigued by this and uh, how do you feel about the new Ghostface mask that's like kind of like chipping away? How do you feel about that?
0: Uh, I've always really loved the Ghostface costume and it's usually always like so pristine it's so clean and This one's so beat up. Like, yeah, it's cool. It's giving me Michael Myers vibes at this point. Mm. Um, We'll see. I have a feeling there's going to be, like, a a regular-looking mask, and then, like, one of them is going to have this beat-up one.
1: That's a a cool point, because that's something that this franchise has never done is, like, acknowledge that we are aware that there's probably two killers in it. So that'd be kind of cool to see if we get to see multiple ghost face costumes in this enacting violence on people or i hope that they do something different and that one of them gets caught halfway through the movie and then we're trying to figure out who is the accomplice for the second half of the movie like, like i kind of hope that we get something different with the reveal in this yeah yeah but the the chipping away mask does make me feel like it's foreshadowing that something from their past is coming back like something very old and that's been around for a while or something that's even like intertwined with the group like it's one of them or something uh uh so i don't know i'm I'm very curious to see how how they pull this off and like just how surprised will people be do you think we're gonna get uh stew do you think we're gonna get stew yeah um no i don't think so because i i think they've kind of come out and said that he's officially dead but that could just be you know misdirection marketing because that's a thing that happens these days um i hope that he doesn't come back i mean i love Stu matthew lillard he's one of my favorite things of the first scream movie i mean he's my favorite he is like one of my favorite things from it but i think it would be a disservice to bring him back it would feel very grab assy and i would not like it but who knows? If they do it, I watch me fucking love it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> the theories on Twitter are, like, unhinged. Unfucking hinged <laughs> Like, the amount of, like, mental gymnastics that people are undergoing for this movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't see him coming back.
1: Yeah, I can't either. And like you said, every day I do feel like I see a new article about Stu is actually alive for these reasons. And it's like, he's not he he just isn't
0: i mean maybe that's why his mask is all beat up because he had a tv well no he wasn't wearing a mask when the tv dropped on his head
1: oh good point yeah i would be very disappointed if it's like the son or something of stew because like we already have you know the daughter of billy in this like i just feel like we don't need lineages in these movies just like you know just new people being pissed off is okay with me i i don't feel like we need like the family tie and generational trauma in this i, I just feel like that that is a dead horse that's been beaten to death in 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 franchises as of late so I'm, i just really hope it's not like a bloodline thing
0: So moving on from Scream, um, I know you had a little trouble with this movie, but I'm really excited that they greenlit Megan 2.0 already. I can't wait to see what direction they bring it in. I don't think you've actually gotten to see it yet to completion, so I don't really want to get into what we hope to see in part two.
1: Okay. I mean, I I do find it interesting that they did go ahead and green like that because you know jason blum has been kind of open in the past about how he doesn't like to do sequels for his original ip movies um so you know i mean this this was like a a money bag for them so i'm curious to see where they go with it and everything but um like you said i haven't seen it to the end because like the the poor theater experience i had but uh um yeah i mean do, do you feel like that there's actually room for for a sequel as someone that has seen this
0: I mean, absolutely. I don't want to okay. spoil the ending, um, but they definitely do leave the door open to a sequel. Um, I want to see how Megan comes back, like the Megan that we know and love currently, <laughs> how she's going to come back. Um, I was thinking, though, the other day, they cited that Megan costs $10,000. And I was thinking... 10,000? Yeah. Uh, the one that she was going to go on sale, they were going to sell her for $10,000 a pop. And I'm thinking, she has a titanium frame. You know, watches and stuff made out of titanium are so expensive, and that's such a small amount of metal. There's no way they'd be able to sell, like, a life-sized six-, seven-year-old doll um, with a titanium frame for $10,000. Like, that was a big Oops. At least gotcha. for me, like titanium, really. I mean, it explains how OP she is, but...
1: Mm-hmm. She's a Terminator. I, I, I want to confess, I thought you were talking about the budget for the movie was only
0: $10,000. Not that, like, to a No, the, buy the a doll, Megan. <laughs> yeah. If you wanted to buy a Megan doll in that movie's universe, it was going to cost you 10000 bucks.
1: Wow. Yeah, so this this is for the, the, the elite parents with kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's no um, way they'd
0: be able to manufacture these titanium dolls for $10,000. Like, that was the part that I was like, no, you can't do that. Right, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> it's a very expensive metal. Mm-hmm,
1: liquid metal. I just keep thinking about Terminator references now. <laughs>
0: So, the other big news is um, the whole Friday the 13th legal battle seems to be over, and we're getting Victor Miller to do the Crystal Lake series via A24, and Sean Cunningham is doing a Friday the 13th movie. So, we're going to get a battle of the Jasons in a sense.
1: That's just insane. This is so funny, just watching these rich people movie makers just fight with each other like this it, it's it, it's a funny spat that's that's uh causing some more content for horror fans which is interesting
0: yeah like i'm really interested in what they're going to pull off with the crystal lake series um mm-hmm. it's there are very few stinkers that a24 turns out so i'm sure they're going to be doing a really good job with this um the fact that it's a prequel like are we just going to get an unhinged pamela Voorhees running around killing counselors that's what I want. I want that so badly.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. w- I want that unhinged person. I mean, uh, just because yeah, on my podcast, we were covering the, the, the franchise slowly. And um, that was something that we talked about. That would be like a very funny prequel is watching Pamela just sabotage and kill people on- on the camp and just watching her like like in the cover of night just sneaking around poisoning the water causing fires and whatnot but you know has, has to your knowledge has a24 done a tv series before because i know you know they've done tons of movies
0: yes um they have that hugely popular hbo series which one euphoria <laughs> oh i did with, not know that with that zendaya i'm um, that That was a very big brain fart on my end because I love the show. It's really good. Mm. Um, Zendaya's great in it. Um, So they definitely have it in them because Euphoria is insanely good. Okay, interesting. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm just curious to see, you know, where this goes and everything. And the fact that it's coming to Peacock is cool. I'm just kind of surprised that, like, Shudder doesn't try to, like, get some of these, like, iconic horror ip stuff like this on their streaming platform but um i mean i have peacock i'm excited to see when this does come out
0: yeah and peacock you know the home of chucky currently well chucky i don't know season two hasn't been on there yet i mean i was surprised to see chucky season one is on shutter now i mean that Mm -hmm. was a pretty big grab for them i feel to just get chucky on there I mean, none of his other movies are on there, I don't think. Mm-mm. I mean, I've never no, seen a Chucky movie.
1: Child's Play is on there right now. I think uh, it just just got added this month.
0: And that's an, another, you know, crazy Friday the 13th situation, the fact that I don't think Don Mancini owns the rights to Child's Play, and that's why the TV series is Chucky. And that's, right. I think, also why the dolls look different now. If you remember the one... We talked about it in our last episode with Aubrey Plaza. Like, that Chucky doll is hideous. Mm-hmm. I think his name was Buddy in that movie.
1: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so I'm curious to see where this goes. I mean, so, you know, we have Victor Miller doing the TV series, and he was the original writer for the first Friday the 13th movie. And then, um, you know, there was also the news that there is a new Friday the 13th actual movie that's like in the works right now with sean s cunningham coming back to i believe direct it um who was the guy that directed the first friday the 13th movie and the guy that kind of got all of this who pretty much got the franchise started in the beginning um it was kind of his idea he he came up with with the idea of the movie with just a title and sold it to a production company without a script or anything and he got victor miller to to watch Halloween for notes and to, to, to write this script. But um, so I'm curious to see, you know, what this new movie is going to be because it's finally, we're finally getting the 13th installment in the franchise with this. And Sean S. Cunningham's not a great director, but um, I'm kind of happy that he's coming back for just for like nostalgia reasons.
0: Which one are you more excited for, the series or the movie?
1: I think I'm more excited for the series just because that's different. Just because, I mean, I know that they did a Friday the 13th, tv show in the 80s i believe that i don't think lasted very long but um I mean, i'm a movie guy but i'm just curious to see what this series is going to be like since that's going to be different in it being like a prequel stuff because i want to see Unhinged P- pamela so that's what i'm hoping for
0: yeah i'm in the same boat as you uh i've seen of course my fair share of friday the 13th and it's like you've seen one you've seen them all but a prequel with yeah. pamela Voorhees is something new, something, like, Mm -hmm. fresh. I'd be much... Mm -hmm. I'm down for both, but I think I'm much more interested in the series.
1: Yeah, yeah, I am, too. And for the same reasons you said with Pamela, because, I mean, that first movie, I think it's... I think that movie, that first movie, works so well and better than most of the sequels. Not all of them, but most of them, just because it has that whodunit aspect, and it's not... And, like, the big twist of it all is that it's not this big, hulking, Michael Myers... Thing it's it's a it's a middle aged woman and so I think that's interesting so I'm
0: for the same reasons you said I'm more interested in the series. Now shifting from Friday the Thirteenth the movie, which I'm sure would never get nominated for anything by the Oscars. <laughs> um, I mean, 2022 horror was snubbed again at the Oscars. Not one nomination.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: not one. And I feel like 2022 was such a good year for horror. If there was a year that there was a chance for another nom, it would be 2022 and it got nothing.
1: I know it. Like it, it, it's so depressing, isn't it? Cause like this was one of the best years for horror. I know like everybody's talked about that, but it's true. And just to see movies like Nope, just kind of get, completely snubbed i mean it's i mean there's tons of other movies that were deserving of of re- recognition i mean even men i think should have gotten something but um yeah it's it it sucks and it just sucks that it got snubbed
0: nope had so much going for it like the score was so good the sound design the characters were so likable like kiki palmer got nothing nothing <laughs> and i thought she did such a good job in that movie
1: yeah, absolutely. And even from, you know, outside the acting and everything, I'm I'm shocked it didn't even get a technical nominee because from like a filmmaking aspect, the movie pioneered and created new technology to film um to to like film that sky at night. And like they did all these crazy technical things that I don't understand, but like they were like inventing new methods for this movie and it looked phenomenal
0: so like I'm shocked that it didn't even get a technical nominee I did look up some uh, stuff about horror at the Oscars it's kind of crazy that there's only ever been six horror movies to ever be nominated for best picture that being The Exorcist Jaws Silence of the Lambs The Sixth Sense Black Swan and Get Out Mm. that's it wow that's it
1: well, and there's so much time between those i mean there's only two decades that or i'm sorry three decades that are really spoken for among those six nominees yep yeah it sucks but <sighs> i mean i really thought i was really hoping for nope to to be nominated for best picture as well or at least best director too because of just everything that jordan peele had to do for that but you know it oh well i mean uh, thank goodness for other places like Uh, like the Chainsaw Awards and stuff that do try to recognize these things.
0: Yeah, I mean, hot on the heels of the Oscar noms, we did get the Chainsaw Award nominations. I got a chance to go over the questions and submit my votes. Uh, But there were a couple that I definitely think we should talk about, and that would be the Best Wide Release, Limited Release, and Streaming Premieres. Um, For Best Wide Release the options they gave us were barbarian the black phone nope pearl and x and out of those which would you say has your vote and why
1: uh this was tough honestly and uh my vote, I, I i voted this morning and i voted for nope for for best wide release movie uh from
0: this list and uh what about what about you who what, what which did you vote for That's a hard one. I think when I submitted my vote, I went with Pearl. Oh, okay. I love Pearl. I thought it was just so much fun. And Mia Goth, I I find her to be, like, so charming. And she did such a good job with Pearl. Pearl and X, I I had a good time with. I'm very excited for Maxine. But Pearl and X, they have my heart. And I just thought Pearl was slightly more fun than X.
1: Nice. Yeah. I've, I've heard that Pearl's the only one from this list I haven't seen. I did see X and I liked X a lot. Uh, just, I've just been kind of sitting on my hands a little bit waiting to get to Pearl, but, uh, uh she was great in X, you know, Mia Goth or Maya Goth. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see her in more stuff because she's kind of like the other side of, uh, Jenna Ortega is like this other emerging scream queen that's going to, be taking over and being in lots of things so I'm, I'm excited to see her more stuff
0: yeah i haven't had a chance to see infinity pool yet but i've been hearing a lot of really good things about her in that movie mm. yeah so the next question was a uh, best limited release and the options were orphan first kill resurrection something in the dirt terrifier 2 and mad god
1: yeah, this was, this was a fun list because, uh, I don't know, limited releases are, are fun because you get to see a lot of like experimental and indie stuff. And from this, I, I voted for Resurrection. Um, I, I caught that on Shudder, and I, I, I enjoyed that movie. Um, I have a feeling I know what you voted for
0: from this list. What do you think I voted for? I think you voted for Terrifier 2. Yeah, I definitely did. <laughs> um, I, if it weren't for ter- Terrifier 2, I probably would have gone with Orphan First Kill. Um, only because that one really caught me by surprise i thought it was going to be trash um i just i couldn't fathom like what direction they would take this into especially considering it was a prequel and we already saw the big twist in the original and this movie surprised me it delighted me um it was just fun have you seen it
1: I have not. I've seen the first one, but uh, I didn't catch it for kind of like the reasons that you're apprehensive for. I thought it was going to be trash and I honestly didn't hear too much about it. So I just kind of thought it was just like a flop. But uh, but I mean, you know, if you enjoyed it that much, you know, I should definitely check it out.
0: And honestly, I wouldn't have given it a shot if it weren't for Lewis's review Mm. when he did it for the website. And um, I actually watched it and I had a good time.
1: Nice. I mean, it must be good because it wound up on this, you know, this list for for nominees.
0: Yeah, um, I think the the woman that plays her, like, she just did such a good job.
1: It's the same actress, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Somehow Weird. she's playing herself, even younger from the last time she played this <laughs> character. Like, I don't, I don't know how they did it, but they did it, and it was fun. It's not great. It's not amazing. It's not an X, but. It's it's a good time. Okay, for sure. Um, the only one that I really wasn't that into was Mad God. Yeah, I didn't like that one either. Resurrection is the Rebecca Hall movie, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, correct. It's basically oh. the spiritual sequel and cousin to men.
0: Is it a more grounded men?
1: Um, yes, it's definitely more grounded, but then the ending, you're like, wait, what is happening? So it's definitely way more grounded, but there's still like a what the fuck element at the end.
0: I mean, Rebecca Hall terrified me after Nighthouse. <laughs> <So, laughs> she terrified you. <laughs> she ter. That that movie, I really enjoyed, but it was also just I needed a palate cleanser after it, and I just forever associate her with that movie now. And I'm like, Rebecca Hall, I'm not ready. She
1: loves a fucked up movie. She loves a movie that's yeah. not a good time. But the Nighthouse was great. I love
0: that movie. Yeah. The Night House was very good, very effective. And if Resurrection is anything like that, um, I would need some Courage the Cowardly Dog to watch after it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right, so the next one was Best string Premier. And for it, they have Fresh, Hellbender, Hellraiser, Prey, and a Wounded Fawn. Prey was my vote. I loved Prey. I thought it was so good. Mm-hmm. Um, the amount of work that went into it. I wish this came out in theaters because I would have paid to see it in a movie theater. Oh, wow. But, I mean, I settled for Hulu.
1: Right. Yeah. I I went with uh, Fresh here. Uh, again, another Hulu one. Um, Fresh, I I just really liked it. I don't know. I, I loved the, the title... The, the, the title sequence in this did did you, did you catch this movie before I, before I go any further yeah okay yeah mm-hmm. so in fresh you know how the title sequence doesn't come until about like a third or a quarter through through the movie it's like it's like after the first thirty minutes or so um, yeah I just fucking love that like you know just completely blindsign you let's confuse you mm-hmm. and because the first 30 minutes, you kind of forget you're watching a horror movie. You're thinking you're watching a rom-com, and then it's just like, nope. And ugh, it's just so good. Stylistically, I thought it was just such a great movie. And the director, I believe her name is um, Mimi Cave. Um, I'm excited to see more stuff from her because I thought she did such a good job. And the acting was great. So, I don't know. Fresh fresh left me feeling fucked up, but um, I, I enjoyed all the directorial flares and stylistic flares in it. Fresh was
0: a very dark movie that pretended it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like there were a lot of times where I was like, this is really fucked up. And then, but, but they're doing this thing where they're like winking at you and like laughing. That kind of like balances out because if it didn't have like that little ounce of comedic value, I feel like it would be a really messed up movie.
1: Yeah. It would be almost unwatchable. Um, my my co-host Orlean, she actually turned the movie off halfway through and i think it hits different if you're a woman especially if you are a woman that is on dating apps right now so it's just like one of those
0: things hellraiser was very close behind for me as well um i saw hellbender i thought it was all right have you seen it that's on shutter
1: no i have not seen hellbender um but
0: and I haven't seen A Wounded
1: Fawn yet, either. A Wounded Fawn's been on my list. Um, I've heard good things from people that I trust. And it's it, it was shot, I believe, on 16mm. And there's kind of not much of a plot, is what I've been told. But it's like kind of like one of those movies. Um, but I believe it's... Oh, I can't remember the name of the guy. But it's the same guy that wrote, directed, and starred in Scare Me that kind of campfire uh anthology movie on shutter um i don't know if you caught scare me that came out i think 2019 or 2020 um yeah it's a it's a horror anthology movie but the the spin is that instead of like the the vignettes being like these separated isolated stories it's these two people stuck in a cabin without the power and to get through the storm they're telling each other stories but the camera doesn't like cut to reenactments of what they're telling it just stays on them telling these scary stories to each other um and then there's like a twist at the end and then chris red from snl is also he he shows up halfway through the movie too so uh, um so it is the same writer director and guy that starred in it did a wounded fawn so i was kind of interested to, to check that out
0: it's definitely on my list of things to watch So I think that wraps up basically everything that we had to cover this week. Is there anything that you've been watching lately?
1: Yes. uh, Lately, so I've checked out two things recently. I've checked out that HBO Max show Velma that all of Twitter has been (laughs) losing their goddamn minds over. Um, And I, I, I watched the first six episodes that are available right now last night, and you know, I know you know this, James Michael. I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. Like I grew up with, like you know, Scooby-Doo. Where are you? That's actually the reason why I got an HBO Max subscription in the first place, so I could go back through that show. And Velma, it seems I saw a really, I saw someone uh, put this uh, very well in a tweet, and I liked it. I'm going to steal it from them. This show is aggressively not for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know, it, it just feels, I mean, it's funny, like like there are good jokes in it, I understand like it trying to be feminist, and the different views of feminism, um, but it just feels like they're just, it's so grab and that they're cramming in these Scooby-Doo characters just, just to get an audience, it feels like this should have been its own thing, and if it was its own thing, I'll probably enjoy it more, but I really have not been, been a fan of Velma.
0: I'm not that attached to, like, the whole Scooby-Doo property. Like, I grew up having an awareness of it. I don't right. think I had Cartoon Network until I was much older, and Nickelodeon didn't really play those type of cartoons. I've watched a few episodes, and it seems okay as, like, an alternate universe Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. I love Mindy Kaling. I think she's hilarious. I don't know if that translates very well to this type of show. Um, right. But... I mean, some of the things make it feel like it's not even a Scooby-Doo-type show. Yeah. Like, the characters are completely mixed up, and I think the only thing was, like, Fred is a little weird. (laughs) Like, to me, Fred was the only one that didn't seem that changed out of everyone. Fred and Velma, I think, seemed kind of the most normal, like, when you compare it to the original show.
1: Yeah, I mean, like... I mean, I mean, you know, they had to expand because there wasn't, like, a whole lot given in the Scooby-Doo Where Are You series from 1969. But and, and by that, I mean, you know, we didn't have all this information or baggage about their parents and the town they were from and everything like that. But, uh, you know, you brought up characters. Honestly, I think what they did with Shaggy is the most interesting thing from the show. And uh, the... um kind of like creative exercise that they've done with him I think is cool I mean uh I don't know I don't know why I've been so drawn to this rendition of Shaggy but I like that and sorry if I'm spoiling anything that you haven't gotten to yet but I like the the like the count like the school counselor therapist kind of spin they're doing on him and it kind of like makes him like this wiser person and like you and I were talking about this before we were recording but the show kind of took some of his quirks like him being a scaredy cat and never wanting to go into haunted houses, but he still doesn't want to do that in the show, but it's not because he's a scaredy cat. It's because he's like a very logical person. He's like, why would I do that? I don't want to put myself in danger. So I find like what they've done with him to be fascinating for whatever reason, but I still feel like they wanted to do this raunchy adult show and decided to, take the Hanna-Barbera IP just to get an instant audience with it I'm sure there are people that enjoy it yeah my wife really liked it so there are lots there
0: are are people that do like it (laughs) I was surprised that there was some nudity in it Um, Yeah. honestly like I went into it thinking it was just going to be like a Scooby-Doo type show like I had no idea it was like an adult show because there's definitely some grown up things in there that are way spicier than like family guy stuff
1: Oh yeah, for sure. It feels like the the creators of this watched Big Mouth on Netflix and went, "Hey, we could do that with Scooby Doo," and that's what it kind of feels like almost.
0: I definitely can see that. It does feel like a Big Mouth type show.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. I I I don't know why. I think it's just because maybe I'm just so attached to the original Scooby Doo show. I'm like, no, don't touch it. D- don't don't fuck with shit. But um yeah i don't know (laughs) it's just i mean it works for for a big
0: mouth because you don't have that attachment to those characters like the expectations of what they should be like exactly and as an alternate universe type scooby-doo i can appreciate it way more than just like this is a rebooted scooby-doo type show
1: yeah exactly and like scooby-doo is also the whole sh- the purpose of the show is to be rooted in reality and show kids that you know there aren't ghosts and there aren't goblins it's always like a dude behind a mask but with like the gratuity that's in it it's like kind of weird and but with big mouth like the raunchiness of it is like kind of like more acceptable cuz it's like a fantasy show almost with like the the imaginary friends and the hormone monsters and everything it's kind of like there's personifying what people are going through so it's almost like fantasy and it feels better there for some reason than like this gr- this show that's supposed to be grounded and it's just like super raunchy i don't know Yeah. but maybe i'm being too much of
0: a purist <laughs> no it's definitely a, a, a it's definitely very different for sure um, yeah for sure and then when it starts having to wrestle with the baggage of its history it's like i don't know if it works right yeah So on top of Elmo being on HBO, we do have The Menu, yes. and I know we both watched that recently. Um, I was kind of surprised to see it up on HBO so quick. feels like it was just in theaters not long ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually true. I felt like it was just in theaters, um, but I'm happy it's on HBO because I was able to watch it this morning, and boy do I have some thoughts, and I don't know if you saw that headline that uh the menu has dethroned Glass Onion as the most watched or the most watched movie on a, a streaming platform, really? yeah, yeah, it's like one of the most watched movies from last year, and in this month alone of January, over two hundred and fifty thousand people have logged it on letterboxed. so like it's one wow. of the most watched movies this year.
0: so what are your thoughts about it? Did you like it? oh
1: man i am so torn i mean i loved the first half of the movie and i was so intrigued to see how it was going to finish but i don't know if i like you know being on the other side of it i don't know if i like the movie but the i just i think it's a very layered and complex movie and it's very pretentious too but like on purpose um i i but before i go down my 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 thoughts uh what, what
0: did you think of the movie did you like it i thought it was okay <laughs> i thought it felt very try hard mm-hmm. and I, you mentioned pretentious and i'm wondering did it feel pretentious because it was pretentious or did it feel pretentious because the head chef was pretentious
1: yeah i mean like ralph Fiennes was amazing in this he, again another snub i felt like he should have been nominated because his acting was exquisite in this um, but like getting back to the pretentious thing, I think it's pretentious on purpose. Um, because, I mean, there's like two things this movie's talking about, and I won't spoil too many things because I want people to watch this and have their own thoughts. But uh, you know, this movie's obviously talking about uh, workers you know that, that are like uh, that are you know in servitude, you know, people that work in restaurants, doordash people. Um, any sort of uh, like service stuff, uh, it's talking about that and like the people and like their clients and their customers that they serve for and who are givers and who are takers. And like, are you thinking about the people that went into making these products for you and delivering them to you and things like that? And it was even making me think about the DoorDash person that I had this morning bringing me breakfast and stuff. Um, but then this movie is also talking about critics like this movie like really made me think about myself as a movie podcaster and this movie like really gets into critics and people critiquing and having opinions on someone else's craft when they can't even do it themselves you know like this movie felt very much like don't you dare have an opinion about this movie unless you made a movie in this year like, like, don't, don't, like. I don't want to know your thoughts about it on Letterbox. I don't even want you tweeting your opinions about this movie unless you made a movie. Like, it, like, that's what it feels like. It feels like don't, don't judge someone else's craftsmanship if you can't even do it yourself. That's what this movie felt like.
0: Yeah, I definitely got that vibe as I was watching it. Like, content creators, directors, all that artists. You know, they create only to have someone shittle over their blood, sweat, and tears. Mm -hmm. Um, Meanwhile, they can't serve the same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there are flaws in the movie, but I almost wonder, are those flaws purposeful, tempting people to critique it for that, you know? Like, I feel like it's a very smart... Pretentious movie. I don't know if I like it, but like it's making me think a whole lot. I'm actually, I was talking to my co host, and we're going to end up talking about this movie on the show because like we, we both have to like deconstruct this movie that's just like begging to be. King- to be deconstructed, but for all the wrong reasons.
0: <laughs> you know, the, the one thing that kind of stood out to me is that I think at some point he mentions that his mother is there mm-hmm. with that older woman. But that didn't really play into anything in the movie at all, right? I don't think so. Like, I mean, what was the purpose of his mom being there? Like, I... it seemed like he was trying to win her affection for his craft, but also we never got that kind of closure resolution well... from that whole little side plot.
1: I think that's a great point that you bring up, though. I mean, like, who are our first critics? It's our parents. And he has her there for her approval, just like how he has also invited actual food critics and other foodies and people that think they're foodies to this dinner. So it's all about trying to please and craft, the, or craft his menu and please people that have been critiquing him his whole life and starting with his own mother. And he
0: never even got it
1: no At the end.
0: no Never. no and she was like the most unmoved out of everyone
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's just it's a very layered movie and there's stuff in it i still don't understand why they did it but and i think the flaws are purposeful and that they put flaws in there just to have flaws and like the whole part where they chase the men in the movie i did not get what that was about like that felt so pointless well,
0: they need to give us a prequel where we get to meet like the whole cooking cult because it seems <laughs> yes. like they were there for a bit he basically brainwashed all those people
1: that's another thing i don't understand where ralph finds i don't understand where his power comes from because like the the end goal of of the menu wasn't even his idea it was one of his sous chefs it was her idea she, she says that she pitched the idea of you know them all dying and sorry, spoilers, but so, like, it's, like, it wasn't even his idea, so, like, why do people listen, and where does his power and influence come from? Yeah, I don't know, it's it's just one of those mind-boggling movies, and it, like, really makes me think, and it, like, it makes me feel like it's angry at, like, podcasters, too. Like, like anybody has ever, like, wrote a Yelp review, or logged something on Letterboxd, or did like a door, a door dash review. Anybody that has reviewed anything, but they haven't actually made those things before this movie is mad at. That's what it feels like.
0: I definitely can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm just, I'm just crazy. I don't know. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> I mean, it definitely does question like the authority that people feel when they're behind a microphone or a keyboard, right? You know, all of a sudden you feel entitled everyone must know your opinion when you have no idea the work that goes into it exactly
1: and then it's also like speaking to i saw this on reddit but i like hate how like tiktoks of somebody with just like headphones on and a mic in front of them that that imagery automatically implies that they are a person of expertise on whatever it is that they're talking about and it I don't know. It, it It's a very weird world on like where people get their information and who they're trusting. Yeah. But I I, I, I liked the experience of the menu. I still don't know if I like the movie, but I'm so intrigued with thinking about it. <laughs> the acting in this was just so good. Again, I felt like that it was something else that, uh, that was snubbed at the Oscars. Um, I'm looking up the cast right now. Uh, Good gravy. Uh no no. Not Lillian, Margot. Oh, Elsa.
0: Elsa. Elsa, yes. Hongsh. I'm glad that I finally got to watch it so I can finally understand all those This is a tortilla memes. <laughs> they had like a pop up event or something and they were serving tortillas and I finally get it now. This is a tortilla.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. But yeah, th- those are my thoughts on the menu for right now <laughs> until I cover it on my show.
0: Are you going to cover with Orlene or...? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Orlene, because uh, we did, not to spoil, but uh, Orlene myself, and Ellie... We got together and did our top five horrors of 2022 and the menu wound up on someone's list. So that episode would be coming out soon. So,
0: oh man, I got to check that out. Like I need to hear Ellie's and yours, of course. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But
1: Ellie's list, honestly, their two, their lists were fascinating and it gave me a lot of stuff to go check out. I need to get a sneak peek of this because
0: I need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen Possession? No, I haven't seen Possession. Oh man. If, if. Whoever's listening to this hasn't seen it yet, I recommend you check it out. It's very weird. You may not like it, but it's definitely worth seeing just to see a baby Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, so, isn't that a movie from like the late 70s or 80s? I think it's early 80s or, yeah. Okay. It's It's a really crazy ride. It has some really cool practical effects in it, but it's also very weird and kind of long. You may not like it, though it is weird I I have to emphasize that
1: I've had a lot of people recommend it to me Um, Jay Sher over Podzilla and uh, Claire C Holland the writer of I'm Not Your Final Girl she was recommending that to me whenever I had her on so I know a lot of people that like it and also know a lot of people that have been fucked up by it
0: (laughs) some scenes are pretty intense in it and like I said like it's a relatively old movie at this point the effects in it were actually pretty effective like I was surprised hmm all right, so that's about all we have for today. Um, before we say goodbye, uh, Brooker, can you let them know where they can yeah, find Yeah, absolutely.
1: Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brooker Horror, B-R-U-C-K-E-R-H-O-R-R-O-R. And you can also follow my podcast, Autopsy of a Horror Movie, anywhere you find podcasts.
0: Yeah, and as always, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure to continue reading our site, horrorpress.com. And follow us on Twitter at LLC, Same handle on Instagram as well. And on TikTok at HorrorPress. Woo-hoo. Thanks, guys. Bye.